Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And I'm Chris. And we're the Film Flamers. Today we're bringing you our latest hot takes, and it's been a couple of months, so we've got a lot of stuff to share with you. That's right. For those of you who don't know what our hot takes episode is, uh, it's just Chris and I talking about the movies and TV shows or media in general that we've consumed and, you know, telling you our thoughts on it and whether you should watch it or not. Mm -hmm. I think the last time we released a hot takes episode was in September. That's right. Yeah. It's been a little bit. Yeah, we've had some shows come out. We've had a lot of movies available to us. We've had some things we've hated and some things we've loved. And hopefully we'll be mostly sharing the things that we loved with you. And all of these are recommendations. We're not going to share anything with you that we wouldn't actually recommend for at least one watch. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that we are recording this podcast today on the day that it was announced that... Joe Biden will be the next president of the United States of America. Yes. So it is the 7th of November, which feels like an eternity after an actual election day. <laughs> For real. And I feel like at least half the country, a little over half the country, has collectively exhaled. And parts of Europe. They were ringing their bells too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's jump right into it then. Chris, do you want to go first? Sure. So I watched a, uh, a film not knowing that Sean Connery was about to have his last breath. And that film is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I wanted to revisit it because it it seemed a little bit horror adjacent upon memory of it, even though I knew it was kind of more action-centered. And uh, obviously, Alan Moore is a very famous um, author known for his graphic novels like Watchmen or V for Vendetta, um, Swamp Thing, Batman the Killing Joke, From Hell. you know. And so I really wanted to revisit it because I'm a fan of his work. And I know the movie wasn't really something that people generally liked or even got attached to have you have you seen this or have you i saw it when it was released um i can't even remember when that was uh what maybe like 15 years ago or so right 20 years ago it was released in 2003 okay 17 years ago yeah i was not too far off i watched it when it was the first release because um i was in college at the time and I, I was a, a literature major, and it seemed like a movie that I should watch because everything was sort of based on literature and mm -hmm. that. And um, I don't remember liking it very much. No, I, I remember being, like, happy with it, okay with it. It it also kind of signaled the end of Sean Connery's, you know, active acting career. I think after that, he might might have made a few more minor appearances, maybe did, uh, provided some voice for some, like, lesser-known, like, animated films, you know, but this was kind of his last foray, I think. And so it was fun to see him again. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of like Penny Dreadful before Penny Dreadful, you know. It was um, had all those gothic characters in it. Invisible Man is in it. And, of course, Quartermain, who's kind of a Van Helsing-ish kind of character. And uh, mm -hmm. you've got um, Mina Harker, who's a vampire in the right. film. And Mr. Hyde. Yep. Yeah, there's lots of horror adjacency in that movie. And Captain Nemo, yeah. There's a huge amount, like especially with, you know, Mina Harker. And then you've also got Dorian Gray, uh, who is immortal. And you get to, to see a fight between a vampire and an immortal who can't really injure each other. And there's a lot of cool moments in the film. Um, the design, just watching it at this point, like the design of the ship, especially Nemo's ship, um, and a lot of the other things in the film were really, really well done and intricate. And I, I still loved watching that and seeing it now is just like, it's all on the set and it was really, really well done. Um, intricate 
design work and you don't see a lot of that still uh, really but it was fun i liked it i rated it a three star i would recommend people revisit it um you know just for some fairly mindless entertainment that's definitely horror uh adjacent yeah i need to revisit it i because i honestly don't remember anything about it like when you talk about that fight scene like i had completely mm. forgotten about it but it's starting to like form into my brain now so i it's it's there but then maybe i'll like it a lot more on a second watch i don't know but there was just something about it at the time and i was just like meh you know but um yeah it hit harder for me this time it was just you know because i didn't have any expectations and i don't think anyone should you know but uh it's it's fun and it's fun to see those characters on the screen at the same time yeah I mean, any sort of shared universe like that, you know, I'm kind of nerdy enough to really enjoy that. But, um, yeah, when, uh, when Sean Connery died on that day, it like, it, it struck me. I was like, God, I think Chris just watched one of his movies and I had to go back and look at your letterbox to see what it was. Cause I couldn't remember. And I was just like, Oh yeah. What is your favorite Sean Connery role? Uh, Bond, I guess. Yeah. That's an easy answer. If that was one of my dating questions where I ask you like color or Muppet, you would have failed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm not a big fan of Sean Connery. I just have he's not my favorite Bond. Um I just I've never really been struck by him. I know that he was in Highlander, right? And Yeah, I liked him in Highlander, but it was he was only in the film for about twenty minutes or less, I think. I just can't even think of a lot of Sean Connery movies that aren't James Bond movies, really. Right. My favorite where he's not just like this macho you know, Sean Connery-ish character is when he's in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade <gasps> as Indiana Jones' father. And he was delightful in that film. Okay, so yeah, I changed I changed my answer because I forgot that he was in that <laughs> It was against type. And he was, you know, despite the fact he was only 11 years older than Harrison Ford, he pulled it off. And he was absolutely wonderful in that film. And, I, and that'll be forever my favorite performance of his. Even better than Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Darby <laughs> O'Gill. <laughs> which was his first film well you hush now because it's on disney plus so i mean some people can go revisit that um God. that's the, the first movie that scared the shit out of me as a kid by the way <laughs> there we go that fucking little banshee <laughs> I, don't know, I haven't seen that movie since i was a very oh wee God. child <laughs> what a blast from the past God. <laughs> i don't know yeah now i kind of want to watch last crusade oh okay that that is the best Indiana Jones movie, by the way. I, I believe so too. Yeah, it just it just is. So, um, so I did a thirty-one and thirty-one, but uh, before I even started watching horror movies in October, I watched one at the end of September, like knowing full well that I was going to be watching <laughs> a shit ton. Yeah, but um, I watched a movie called Spiral on Shutter. It's a Shutter original. Um. And it's, it's gay horror, so you know, I was really excited to to watch this one. It stars Jeffrey Boyer Chapman, who I think is just one of the most attractive men, like on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the writers is Colin Minahan, who wrote and directed "What Keeps You Alive," which was one of my favorite movies from a couple years ago. And so I was ready to watch this, um, but I was pretty disappointed by the movie, really. Um, it all sort of focuses around a same-sex couple um, who have a kid and they move to this sort of like small town and they start to get um, but that's why you didn't like it what <laughs> they have a kid she's like a teenager though so I mean okay uh, but uh, they're they're sort of like um, 
what is that? God, I can't think of the fucking word. I just said I was smarter because I wasn't smoking pot. And then I can't think of this fucking word. What's it called when someone treats you differently because you're different? Prejudice? <clears throat> yes, there. Thank you. My God. Jesus. <laughs> They start to experience some prejudice from their neighbors and they, uh, one of the guys sort of like thinks that, you know, there's like some sort of cult or something going on in the neighborhood, right? On paper, it seems like something that I would enjoy. Um, I just didn't. I think I was expecting too much. I think my expectations were just way, way, way too high and I felt let down, but it was worth it to look at Jeffrey Boyer Chapman for an hour and a half. So I gave it three stars. (laughs) Oh. I mean, yeah, I saw the trailer and it, it, yeah, it, it did seem a little, I don't know, like the drama was kind of wrapped in there, a little subsumed a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I just, <sighs> a lot of like rear window kind of things going on. I didn't, I didn't care for the ending. You know, I didn't, I didn't, it was sort of like making it seem like one of the guys was sort of going crazy and, you know, and I just, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I can't quite put my finger on why I didn't like it, but I mean, I know other people have seen it and loved it, but I just wasn't Mm. one of them. Well, speaking of going crazy, I watched a film that I ended up recommending to you immediately, which was a film called scare me. Yes. And I watched it fairly soon after you recommended it, I think. Yes. And, uh, it, it stars, um, Aya cash, who was recently in Boys season two, which I highly recommend. Uh, everything I've seen her in is great. She was even an episode of Will and Grace, really, uh, which was yeah. She played in the the new series. Oh, uh, she plays Karen's grown up uh, stepdaughter. Oh, I bet that's good. Yeah. So um, yeah, so Scare Me is essentially about you know kind of an author that goes into the woods into a cabin, you know, to kind of try and find stories, you know, try to think of stories to write in solitude. You know, he runs across another author who's actually successful and that's Aya Cash. And uh, they end up having a huge storm and the power goes out and they end up kind of in the same cabin together, just talking. And then they make up stories to try and scare each other and, uh, you know, try and get ideas and things like that. And and then there's like, um, you know, a pizza guy that stops over. I forgot that actor's name, but he's from um, SNL. Chris Red. Yeah. And he was great. It's just a really, really entertaining, interesting film because they're telling all these stories, but they don't kind of go into anthology. And I think that would have been like maybe with a higher budget, they would have been able to do that. But they really kind of utilize like sound design and the shadow play and things like that to tell you these stories all like almost very, very stage play ish. And so once you kind of get into it and you realize they're not going to really show you these stories, like, um, like you're either on board or you're not. And I was on board and I really enjoyed the performances. I enjoyed the storytelling. Uh, I have enjoyed the ending, even though I have some issues with it. Um, I felt like it might've fallen a little flat, but still I really enjoyed the shit out of this movie. It's very unique and it's, uh, Definitely something I would recommend. I completely agree with you. And I'm so glad that you, I mean, it was on my list to watch in October anyway. You just happened to catch it before me. And honestly, it could have been pushed by the wayside for something else. But since you so highly recommended it, I went, I watched it like 
fairly quickly, which is out of character for me. It normally takes me, what, like years to watch movies that you recommend to me? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But it was really, really fucking good. Like, I loved it. It has everything that I like in movies, right? Limited cast, small settings. Um, I really enjoy, like, storytelling. And it, it was just filled with that. And it was really fucking hilarious. Right? Yeah, some good writing, yeah. Yeah, so director, writer, and star uh, Josh Rubin was good. I thought he was really good, very funny. Um, it was just a really enjoyable movie. It reminded me of why I like horror movies and why I like to be scared, right? Like, it's a really good sort of dissection and study of, like, tropes and things like that and just the way that things, like, sound and not necessarily, like, what you see. But it was just a fantastic movie. I had some problems with the ending and that's sort of what affected my rating of the movie, you know, but so, but you still rated a four and a half. Yeah. I gave it four and a half stars. Wow. So I gave it a three and a half, which is my very good rating. Uh, four is great. Five is, is perfect. Four and a half is almost perfect, you know? So for me, it was really good. So I gave it a three and a half, but for you, it's almost, if you were good by my understanding of ratings for you it's it's almost perfect it would just need a, an adjustment to that ending yeah the, the ending is the only thing i enjoyed myself so much watching this movie and i laughed so hard that i thought this is just going to be it's going to end up being my favorite horror movie of the year i just i felt mm-hmm. it like while i was watching it and then the ending came around and i was just like oh you know like but i mean that's not to say that it makes it a bad movie i mean i it's it's so good. I I people need to go watch this. Yeah. And I mean, bad endings happen all the time, but everything that happened before that was just fucking gold, as far as I'm concerned. Like I would watch this movie over and over again, probably. It was good. And I I've given some four point fives out this month, like like I was passing out Halloween candy. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I've seen I've seen some good things that are coming up in conversation. So Yeah. But yeah, Scare Me was excellent. For any of you that are well-versed in YouTube history. This is the same guy that's been kind of a mainstay back in the past on college humor. And he was the mother in precious plum, which is um, a little like maybe 10 episode, mini episode series, just making fun of as a parody of um, who, who was that little girl or whatever. Honey boo boo, honey boo boo. Yeah. Precious so that whole thing. Plum. <laughs> So, no, these are hilarious episodes. And she's he, he's in a fat suit and he's playing the mom, you know, with an even deeper voice. He's doing an even deeper voice for the mom. I don't know. I thought he was like super cute in this movie too. Like by the end of it, I yeah. was like, okay, I would totally sleep with him. You know what I mean? Because he's good looking and he makes me laugh. So yeah, I I was just glad to finally see him something a little bit more mainstream because he's been in so many skits that I've seen over the years on YouTube and and things like that. And he's always been a writer, so it was fun to see him in something. Um, so I'm hoping that he has a, you know, a future in horror. I hope so comedy. too. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, people, <clears throat> I've seen mixed reviews of this, like on social media, like some people love it and some people don't. And, and that's fine. You know, it happens with a lot of movies. I happen to love mm-hmm. it. So, but, um, speaking of recommendations, um, I want to talk about two movies real quick that you have told me that I should watch that have taken me either a year or longer to see. And I crossed them off during my 31 and 31. And um, one of those was, we need to talk about Kevin. Yay, Tilda. Yes. (laughs) 
And she is a heavy fucking lifter in that movie. She is the fucking movie. I mean, like, <laughs> so I was already becoming a Tilda fan, but now I'm just on the fucking train. I'm on the fucking Snowpiercer train straight into <laughs> Tilda Town, you know, like, <laughs> she's so good in this movie. So good. And I mean, like the movie itself is kind of weird. It's kind of off-putting in the way that it's filmed, right? And I think that's why a lot of people don't gravitate toward it. But yeah, um, her performance is is outstanding in this, though. Like, and I I think I went in, I mean, I I knew what it was about, but I sort of had this notion of that it was going to be something that it wasn't. Right. I think I was expecting more of a straight form thriller kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into this like art house movie. And I wasn't expecting that. And all they'd have to do is re-edit it to be linear because it's not a mystery or puzzle you have to put together. It's fairly straightforward of a story. Right. You know yes, what I mean? It is. And so it kind of pisses me off that they edited the way they did, because I feel like it would be a little bit more in pop culture and much more famous and probably gotten a lot more awards than it did. And it did receive some awards. Well, she was nominated um, for a Golden Globe for this. So, yes, yeah. That I think if it was, if it had done a little less, you know, I don't know, snooty McSnooty pants, then <laughs> it would have been... <laughs> Because the performance is so good and the story is well done. Fuck yeah. the 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 guy that I think plays the Flash now in the DC universe was the kid, mm-hmm. you know, in this, and he did a damn good job playing a psycho. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I keep waiting for like you know the big moments to happen, right? And I'm, I'll try not to be so spoilery for a movie that came out like what five years ago. So I mean, but I mean. Uh, you're waiting for this big moment to happen. And even the way that it is shot and the way that he did it is sort of different. Right. So, I mean, it was yeah. a good movie. I really enjoyed Tilda in it. Um, yeah. Do, do we want to actually tell people what it's about? <laughs> oh, do we actually need to talk about Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> we need to talk about, we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, Tilda Swinton plays the mother of, a kid who went and sort of, you know, killed a bunch of people at his high school. And the story is sort of told in flashbacks of how she met his father and they fell in love to, you know, her having this baby and not really connecting with him as a mother, which is sad. And, um, like she's growing up and it's a, it's an, a, an odd child and she just never feels like compassion or love for him. And well, you there's know? a reason for that, you yeah. know, and the kid is a sociopath, which is not really a, not really a real term. Right. But it really means like a collection of things. It could be um, narcissism with uh, borderline personality disorder and antisocial disorder. Right. So people that cannot connect with people and they only see people as things they can use and manipulate. Right. And so this is one of those people that has unfortunately been born this way or was, you know, I don't know what they're trying to say as far as uh, my memory might be a little hazy on this versus like um, nature versus nurture, but it really seemed to me, my takeaway was that it was nature, right. That this kid was that way, especially as like a toddler. Like, yes. And he clearly was born that way. Right. And, um, but she, you know, still goes to visit him in jail, or, you know, and things like that. And she's having to readjust her life 
as, you know, being very publicly forced into mainstream, right? Because people know what her, her kid did and she's still living in this town and she has yeah. to deal with the, the parents of his victims and things like that. And I just, I really wasn't expecting it to be so incredibly dramatic and it was just so good. I gave it four stars. So I don't know. But you would have rated it when you saw it. I probably would have rated a three and a half or a four. I, I mean, for her performance alone, I think is where that yeah. four comes from. You know, it's just like that. That's just it. You know, like she's she's just that good in it. Um, but the other one I wanted to talk about real quick was Brightburn. Because mm-hmm. I know that you saw that. I think it came out last year. And it made your top ten horror list last year. And I just yeah. still hadn't seen it, even though I owned the Blu-ray. So I Man, <laughs> mothers are just having a hard time in these two movies. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> but uh I, I really liked this too. And I, I was sort of expecting it to like it just because of the things that you've told me about it. And because you know I appreciate some gore. And uh, this movie did not fucking disappoint on that no. end. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So I was just like, yes, it was, it was very, very good. Um, I like I, th- that kid. Man, I to would me, love it's like a, a prequel of the boys or something. I would love to see like more about that particular universe. Right. Sure. And uh, like, I just want to see where the story goes a little bit, but yeah, it was, it was a good movie. I, I had a lot of fun watching it. I just, the kills were super good. Um, and I'm always so impressed with Elizabeth Banks when I see her do things that are sort of outside a rom-com. Right. You know? Yeah. I think she like produced this too. Right. Probably. She does a lot of producing. Right. But I mean like her in the hunger games and her in this, and when she does something that's not some like silly comedy or whatever, like I'm usually like super impressed with her and I yeah. was in this too. And I just, I thought it was a good movie and I, I gave it three and a half stars. I, I I really liked it a lot. Yeah. I finally watched I, Tanya, even though this is not a horror movie. I just wanted to say that I did. I did watch I, Tanya, and I gave it a four star. Um, and this, of course, is about the story of Tanya Harding and how she grew up and what she had to go through and and everything kind of surrounding the whole Nancy Kerrigan and, you know, the Olympics uh, with that whole thing. And um, I definitely highly recommend it. The The performances in it are just amazing. Allison Janney is a national treasure. Yes. And what what more can I say? Uh watch the film. It's it's funny, it's dark. I love dark humor and this is just full of it. And so like I said, I give it a four star. I, I don't know what you rated it when you saw it, but I think you definitely recommended it to me. Yeah, I think I probably gave it about four stars, maybe a little higher than that. I thought it was good. Um I laughed a lot. I think I remember most about Itanya is um oh my god, you just said her name. Why am I blinking on it? Allison Jenny? Yeah. The thing I remember most about Itania is Allison Janney, but I also remember like that particular Oscar year because um, like the best supporting actress category was so good because uh, uh, Laurie Metcalf from Lady Bird was also fantastic. And I was just like, if either two of these women win, I'd be happy, you know? And so when Allison Janney won, I was like, that's, that's perfect. Right. Let's well, not forget about Margot Robbie as Tanya. She, mean, she did yeah, she was job. good. Um, talk about someone that I'm impressed with when I see them on film, right? Like she's, she's a, a varied actress and she's has played a lot of things now. And I think mm-hmm. that 
Um, she's just someone that we really need to keep an eye on for years to come. She's just getting started. She's, she's already gotten like two Oscar nominations, you know? I mean, like, mm-hmm. come on now. And there's some real horror adjacency as far as like the real, real life horror with all the domestic violence going on and like the hitmen and everything else. But really, it's it's all tongue in cheek a little bit. You know, it's like dark humor and the side interviews are happening you know, behind, you know, between things happening and uh, you get to see the, the, the actual thoughts and what they say about them after the fact, even though you're seeing it all kind of dramatized on screen. Mm-hmm. It's great. So it's definitely worth a watch. Well, and uh, yeah, I think it's good when you take sort of like a, a bad part of American history, right? Or at least American pop culture that we all remember and sort of turn it into a comedy. Right? It has to be a little dark, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's a, it's a funny movie. I'm glad you watched it actually. Within my 31 and 31, I was looking forward to watching Books of Blood on Hulu. This is something that we've talked about on Shooting the Flames. We covered the trailer. And um, I watched it and gave it two stars. And that's really all that I want to say about it. (laughs) Okay, so I have to amend my earlier statement to say that we are not recommending everything that we're listing here. (laughs) Sorry. I just like... uh, I it was like I don't know. The trailer seemed, looked so promising though. It did. It should, the trailer looks scary and I was ready for it. I I've you know I, I don't think that I've I've read some Clive Barker. I haven't read any of the books of blood so I wasn't really familiar with some of the stories. But as it turns out, the stories that were in this movie weren't even in the books. And so I'm like, okay. Um it just it was filmed like really really bad tv series quality right and i just i don't know it wasn't good it wasn't compelling and if you're having an anthology movie and the like the longest chunk of your movie is like the worst story i'm like okay you know like it just wasn't Mm -hmm. good and i love anthology films and i don't know i really hate to like shit all over movies you know what i mean i just don't really have anything good to say about this one so i i'm not i mean i gave it two stars but obviously you know go and watch it for yourself and let me know what you thought about it you know so some people seem to have liked it it just wasn't for me continuing my jaunt into (laughs) (laughs) non-horror i saw a movie called those people and it's on netflix and uh i think i believe pretty sure and it's it's a gay movie first off so it's kind of like there's like a a gay love triangle happening but it's kind of in the upper echelon you know tier of like new york society and so it kind of feels like like a great gatsby or kind of dickensian a little bit and it is shot so beautifully everything just looks like a like an oil painting everything's kind of got a haze and it's all kind of gold colors you know in the almost kind of reminiscent of the palette of the film and the feeling of like godfather in a way Mm -hmm. of how that looked um just those like crushed blacks and 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 everything and uh so it's uh it's a really cool look of a a film and it was uh really really well performed and and done well it's just i didn't really like the story and kind of how it was laid out but i feel like you would rate it a hell of a lot higher than i did and i rated it three and a half mostly based on its technical and and aesthetic achievements but i would definitely check it out it's um you know it's it's not you know a bubblegum gay movie it takes it very very seriously like it would a straight you know romancer or or something like that so uh it does seem incidental 
you know, that they're incidentally gay. And that's something that I really love about it. But I would definitely check it out, uh, at least for its aesthetic, you know. And I think that you would probably dig the romance and story aspect of it more than I would. Um, you know, things like Call Me By Your Name and things like that are a little bit more in your wheelhouse than mine. Uh, so I, I have a feeling that my 3.5 might translate to like a 4.5 or higher for you. Oh, yeah. Sometimes when 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 movies are very heavily story based. Right. And I tend to, to love that. Right. I love anything that's character driven. And I, I do love gay romance. In fact, I hardly watch, you know, quote unquote, gay movies. Right. Because they're usually so fucking silly. And, you know, but I, something's, if it's serious, you know, then yeah, I'd probably love the shit out of it. Cause I love coming by your name. Yeah. I mean, I really liked the script too and stuff, but I was so annoyed with the characters that I just didn't buy into any of the relationships, hmm. but you know, maybe I'm, I'm more judgy than you are. So oh, I'm uh, real watch fucking it judgy know. though. I, <laughs> I'm just quietly judgy. Okay. <laughs> uh so you say it's on netflix maybe yeah you streamed it somewhere right yes yeah, yeah it was i, I believe it's on netflix. just let me fucking find out real quick those people correction it is on amazon it's included with your prime membership amazon prime okay and you say it's an american movie right yes okay right takes place in new york not that that makes a difference you know it's probably still watch it anyway and you know, as we'll probably talk about later on, I'm I'm trying to take a little bit of a break from horror movies. I say that, and then like you know, I have a night to myself, and it's the first thing I watch is a fucking horror movie, even though I said I'm not going to. But whatever. So there was a film festival recently called Fright Fest, where like things like the New Orleans Horror Film Festival and like um, Boston Underground Film Festival and things like that sort of all got together, pulled their movies and resources, and created this online fest. I watched a couple movies from it, so here's just uh, the three out of the five that I would like to talk about. Okay. Okay. Uh, the first one is called Franken Zed, and this is a movie that we talked about on Shooting the Flames just the a couple puppets. months ago. Yeah, the puppet movie that I was <laughs> super excited to watch. And I, this is what really sold me on this festival is that they were doing the world premiere of Franken Zed, and I was just like sold. Like I have to watch this movie, and it was it was good. Um, I expected to like it more than I did because uh, it was it was really silly, but that's fine because puppets are silly. Um, but I mean, it was it was funny. It was touching in certain places. Um, essentially, it's about sort of like a Frankenstein monster and a zombie that live in this castle. They've been living together for just hundreds of thousands of years, maybe, and they sort of like take care of each other. And the townspeople revolt and go try to kill them, and they have to sort of survive that, right? So it was just it was a really good movie. My husband watched it with me. And laughed a couple times. So, I mean, that means it must be some funny parts to it if he laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it three and a half stars. <clears throat> I thought it was great. Um, super worth it just to watch uh, for the puppets. Like, it's very talented. It must have taken a very long time to make this movie, right? So, worth it just for that. Um, I also watched a movie called Black Bear. Um and based on the trailer and synopsis, I was expecting something to be a little bit more horrific, but as it is, it's sort of like barely horror adjacent, but interesting. Um, it has Aubrey Plaza and whom I love 
and Christopher Abbott, who I also like a lot. He was in Piercing and in Possessor, which has come out recently. And um, so I, I wanted to see it for them. And it's got some good moments, but it's, it's kind of a bizarre movie. I gave it three and a half stars just because I was expecting something a little bit more hoary, but it's not. Possessor? <clears throat> no, Black Bear. Sorry, I haven't okay. seen Possessor was, yet. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, I'm sure when I see Possessor, I'll give it a much higher rating than that. But mostly uh, the movie that I watched out of this festival that I liked the most was called Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist. Sweet. And that is exactly what the movie is. It is William Friedkin sitting in a chair, looking at a camera and talking about what it was like to make The Exorcist and like where he drew his inspiration and things like that and like sort of the history around it. It's a, And that like it's really just him narrating everything with some like stills, you know, cut in, but it was the most fascinating movie. And I could sit there literally and listen to William Friedkin, just talk, 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 talk. And he talks about that. He talks about cruising a little bit in the movie and like, it was just so, so good. Um, it's from the director. I can't remember his name. It's like Alexander Philippe or something like that. And he, he also made the documentary about the shower scene from psycho. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he just makes a good documentary and I just, I loved the shit out of this. I gave this 4.5 stars. Like this is something that I would watch a lot and it's coming on shutter. So by the time that this episode is released in November, it should already be on shutter. So like really go do yourself a favor and watch this, especially if you like the exorcist, it's mm. completely worth it. I'm really looking forward to that. I, you will like it. I know that you will like, it's just, especially from somebody who, you know, was in film school and, and understand what it is to make a movie on a technical level. Like mm. you will appreciate the fuck out of this movie just so much i know you will so as soon as it's released on shutter you've got to go watch it i definitely will good good so extending my journey into horror adjacency even more (laughs) (laughs) i'm a bad horror podcast co-host sometimes you just need a break it's okay yeah and so i watched jackie jackie starring natalie portman as jackie oh right jackie kennedy mm-hmm. yeah and it's kind of the story of what happened right before during and really after the assassination of kennedy and you were right there in the car with her and it shows you everything and it's almost like too much it feels almost like too much like i'm a little more reverent towards these sort of things and I don't know. I feel like it might have gone a little too far there. I don't know. But it's also kind of dark and kind of nihilistic in a way. And I I don't know how much I feel about, you know, how I'm looking at the situation now a little bit more pragmatically than I did before. And what she chose to do in the aftermath to really tell the story and leave a legacy of Kennedy, you know, based on you know everything that happened and so the political realities of the time you know with lbj kind of taking over and everything you know the expected expected move out of the white house and having to do these interviews and you know how, how she had to talk to the children you know after the assassination and everything that happened during and after and and most of this is happening kind of in an interview so it's it's like she's telling the story and then kind of 
saying what he can and can't actually write down. And she's kind of hardcore compared to the public image, right? And so it's kind of interesting to see if that would be or could be true about Jackie Kennedy. And um, I was going to rate it a three star because it's so maudlin. It's so dark and just gray. It's just mm-hmm. like a dreary fall day, the whole fucking movie. And given the subject matter, fine, you know, but at the same time, there's, it's really just about death and tragedy and trying and in politics and trying to spin the story to make their relationship seem like something it really wasn't or spin it into something else and how she really tried to kind of tell the story of Camelot, right? And how the whole Kennedy legacy was for one brief shining moment, you know, this was Camelot, right? And so trying to say that it's a it's a tragedy for the American people as well as far as like the political legacy and what it could have been. And I jumped it up point five because they literally started playing the soundtrack of Camelot, which is one of my favorite musicals <laughs> at the end. So um well. Yeah. So it's it's worth a shot. You know, it's worth a it's worth a watch, especially for the performance by Natalie Portman, although I thought she was she was good, but I don't I don't know that it's like, you know, awards quality. You know, she she did the job. And I don't know. Like, I'm on the fence. So if you're really interested to see kind of a behind-the-scenes take on what might have happened with, um, you know, the assassination and Jackie and the planning of the funeral and what and why it was done in a certain way and things like that, it's kind of fascinating in that regard. So if you're interested at all in that sort of story, um, then go back and, and check that out. I thought it was a good movie. I mean, I, I like Natalie Portman. And I watched it because she was nominated for the Oscar that year, I think. And, um, yeah, I mean, I remember it being very depressing. Like, it mm-hmm. seemed like the big chunk of the movie was, like, planning a funeral. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I have a friend who is super interested in anything that has to do with JFK and, you know, his life and everything about it. Um, but it was so impartial, like... It's not trying to to manipulate the audience emotionally almost at all, kind of in any kind of entertainment kind of way, which is good, I guess, when I say that out loud. But you don't really feel that tragedy. You feel it a little bit more abstractly, I guess. It's it's hard to to explain, you know, because it's it's almost like the filmmakers didn't really care for John Kennedy, you know. So I don't I don't know. It's it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, I I honestly don't remember too much about the movie. I remember her performance being very good. Um, and I remember thinking, when this movie's over, I want to go back and watch The House of Yes. Like, it reminded me of, like, that character dressing up like Jackie O. <laughs> so, I mean... But, yeah, it was, it was a good movie. It just seems like it's one of those things that I probably wouldn't watch again. It's also yeah. kind of weird because it's like, you know, she's going to die before her time. Her child is going to die in, like, a plane crash. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the uncle or, you know, Bobby Kennedy or whatever is – Robert Kennedy is going to get assassinated and JFK was assassinated. And, you know, it's just like you, you see all these people and it's just like a, a whole bunch of tragedy. It's just really – down you know it's in one family you yeah. know i mean so yeah you know? it's it's a lot it's a downer for sure and then you could go off on another track you know and and watch all those documentaries about it or watch the other movies about it or you could you know take a little step to the <laughs> to the bazaar and watch gray gardens who are like the cousins of jackie kennedy you know so it's- which is amazing like 
<laughs> I mean, everyone needs to watch that fucking movie. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I remember it being good. So, yeah, everyone should, should watch that at least. At least for that piece of American history that it portrays. So, I think it's worth it. Well, I watched a movie during my 31 and 31 that uh, I saw people giving some pretty high praise to on social media and it's another anthology movie. So I was like, okay, sign me up. I'm on board. And it was called the mortuary collections streaming on shutter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it so much that uh, I recommended it to you. Right. So yes, you did. And I watched it as well. And I just, this movie is so fun. Like it really is just like a super fun movie. Yeah. I think when I was talking to you about it, I sort of described it as if, if, if they were going to make a modern day series of tales from the crypt, like the old HBO show, mm-hmm. like this is how I would see it. Like some of the stories that they made were just like so tongue in cheek and just fun and funny that I was like, this is exactly what I think that show would be like. Yeah. And it's an anthology and it's surrounded by this kind of bookend uh, story with Clancy Brown, who I always love seeing. Um, I loved him ever since I saw him in Highlander as the main kind of very horror slashery bad guy. And he's been in some things since then, like, you know, Lost and um, Starship Troopers and a lot mm-hmm. of other things. SpongeBob. We've yeah. discussed him before. <laughs> and uh, no, he was really, really good in this. And uh, I really enjoyed him and seeing him. And I enjoyed these stories. They kind of start off a little tongue in cheek and they get kind of better and better as they go along. They drop the ball in a few places as far as, I don't know, like budget or something. Like there's one elevator story where the wife, you know, kind of gets up and she looks kind of demonic. But it just, to me, it looked like this you know, dime store plastic mask that you could get at a Halloween store or something. Well, and that's why I say it sort of reminds me of Tales from the Crypt, right? I mean, it seems like they were purposefully trying to make something that was sort of reminiscent of that. And Clancy Brown looked like he was just having a fucking ball, like, in that character, right? Um, But like any anthology, like, some of the stories are better than others. Yeah, but none of them were bad. And that's something that's really good, because it was like, okay, I see what they're doing, you know, it's fun. And then it gets better and scarier as they go on, uh, or more disturbing, and there may or may not be an exploding penis. I was going to say, I was like, there is an exploding (laughs) penis in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, overall, I thought it was pretty good. So I gave it a three and a half, you know, um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought the last one was the, was kind of the best story, but also kind of out of order again. And I'm just starting to get pissed off by that, Yeah, you know? And so it's a little confusing, but then finally I, I figured it out and, and, you know, it was, it's definitely worth a watch, especially if you like anthologies. I gave it four and a half stars. I liked it so, so much. Again, this is something that I would be watching more than one time, right? Because I just, I had such a good time with it. And the second story was my favorite, the one with the frat boy. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I thought, I thought it was clever. I thought most of the stories were fun, funny, like I said. I mean, it's just a really good time. So, if you have Shudder, go watch it for sure. It's, horror fans will like this movie. I mean, I think. So I have one more movie that I watched that sort of snuck up on me during my 31 and 31. And it's another movie that we covered on shooting the flames. I guess I'm really like putting 
um, you know, my money where our mouths are with the shit that we're talking about on these trailers because I've watched a couple of them now. Yeah, I'm glad um, one of us is. <laughs> I- <laughs> That's okay. You, you you tend to watch more horror movies outside of October. I find the trailers, you watch the movies. That's the deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's okay. I'm good with that. So uh, we talked about the trailer for the movie Love and Monsters on a shoot in the flames and um it just looked good and cute and so i thought okay i'm gonna go ahead and rent actually i purchased this movie because it was one of these like 20 dollar, 24 dollar vod things that they're doing now right mm-hmm. and then the trailer looked interesting enough that i wanted to watch it and i started watching it and i was about 15 minutes in and i had to restart it because it seemed like something my husband would like and he did i went and got him we watched the movie together and it is so fucking good like love and monsters is a fantastic movie it's very very horror adjacent d like like it's barely it's got, monsters. it's got monsters in it and that's what makes it horror adjacent and the monsters are really fucking cool like the monster effects in this are great the cgi work is incredible um and it's just a good story it's got dylan o'brien it's funny it's romantic it's adventurous it's good for kids like it's a good family movie and i just loved the shit out of it and i think that everyone needs to go watch it i mean i'm not saying that you need to pay 25 dollars to go rent this movie but if they drop the price yeah the trailer kind of reminded me of like a like a horror more horror adjacent jumanji it's kind of like that so like essentially uh i'm trying to even remember now we um we were having there's a meteor that's coming toward earth and so all the countries of the world sort of send up all their nuclear weapons to destroy it and all that nuclear waste and stuff is coming back down to earth and so it made cold-blooded creatures sort of like transform into these giant hideous monsters so we have like giant frogs or millipedes or snails right that are taking over the earth and people are living in these bunkers and this guy he's like lost his girlfriend like on the day that a giant monster attacked like San Jose or something. And he decides that he's going to walk the 84 miles to get to her bunker. And he has to like, you know, go through all this terrain and monsters and things like that. And it's just like a really fun, cute, romantic comedy horror adjacent thing that I will probably watch until the day that I die. Like I just really, really liked it a lot. So I gave it four and a half stars. It's totally worth the money. In my opinion. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to check it out. The trailer looked fun. It's a fun movie. Yeah. I think you would like it. So before we go into our mutual last pick that are both our highest ratings, do you want to talk about some things we watched on TV? Yes. Let's do that. Okay. So we both watched Ratchet. Yes. Another recommendation from you. I think it was something that was on both of our lists to watch anyway, but yeah. uh, you were sort of like gushing about it when you first started it. And I was like, okay, sign me up. Yeah. It just seemed like such you know, a love letter to, you know, those sixties thrillers, right? Um, it was just such a love letter to me from like, for like Hitchcock. And you noticed a couple other homages, you know, and the, the, the color palette is just so like Technicolor sixties. The music is straight out of like, you know, Hitchcock and some other films of that era. And I just absolutely loved the aesthetic of it. Um, I expected the story to be a little bit more, cl- you know, close to like, you know, the one who flew over the cuckoo's nest where Nurse Ratched comes from as a character, right? But this is not that at all. It, it went so far out of those expectations and into this realm of like Hitchcock that 
I was just like, okay, you know, and I didn't realize Sharon Stone was in it. And she plays, you know, like a Sunset Boulevard kind of play, you know, character, which was really fun to see. Um, Like any Ryan Murphy show, it falls on its ass at the end. But you know what? We forgive it again and again and again. So I still have to recommend the show. I, I really, really liked it. And I think for, for once, like I didn't, I didn't hate the ending. So I, as far as I'm concerned, like Bravo, Ryan Murphy, like for once, I'm, I'm happy with like the, the complete entirety of your show this season. I thought it was good. Um, yeah, I was noticing a lot of Brian De Palma in this. Like to me, it was sort of like Ryan Murphy's love letter to Brian De Palma's love letter to Hitchcock, you know? And so like, <laughs> it's just every time I turned around, it was so De Palma right down to like the split screen, you know, in certain scenes. And I was just like, it was amazing. I, I really enjoyed like the costume design, like you said, the set design. Like I, I thought that it's tone and just everything about it was so on point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sarah Paulson is good. She's good. Always. She's always, yeah, we don't even need you to know? say that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, it just goes without saying, but that whole scene where she's talking about her fucking peach, you know, I just like fucking lost it. I was like, so good. Mm-hmm. Just amazing. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it, I thought it was great. I mean, I would suggest that people go and watch it, but like you, I was really hoping to get a little bit more into the character that we know of as nurse ratchet and hopefully the future seasons. And there is going to be another season. Um, maybe they'll start to explore that a little bit more. Yeah, this so. is definitely different uh, for Ryan Murphy's normal fare, at least lately, and that it will have multiple seasons. It's not a one-shot. Mm-hmm. I will say that, you know, while I didn't hate the ending, I really don't want them to continue that story very long. I think it needs to wrap it up. That's what I'm saying. They they ended it really well, and then they just kept going with it, and it's just dead to me, and I don't understand. We need to move on with the character of Ratchet. We don't need to continue on with some of these side characters that, you know, whose plot threads have ended, you know, and was hard fought to have ended. And so the fact that it's not, it was just like really lame and, and kind of bullshit writing to me uh just to to you know kind of justify a season two when they didn't have to do it that way so i don't know i'm i'm hoping a season two will kind of lift it back up to to where the first you know six or seven episodes were yeah and maybe i mean maybe he can just make a shorter season like if you're gonna have a story to tell tell it quickly because i mean i was expecting the entire season to be wrapped up in a normal Murphy fashion where he like finishes the story. And the last episode is always like this weird overarching after the story should have ended already. Like here's what's happening now. And I don't know. I thought, I thought that I thought it ended well um, exploring, you know, relationships and things like that. And plus you get to see more of Judy Davis. And I thought she was great in that movie. Oh man. I always loved Judy Davis. She was just so good as that like main foil to nurse ratchet. Right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you need to go back and watch her biopic on Judy Garland. Yeah, I probably do because I didn't care for the the one with Renee Zellweger. I thought it was just okay. I probably no, would have liked. And I still it. haven't seen that, but the one she played an excellent older Judy Garland, and um, and this was back in the late nineties or early thousands or something. Mm-hmm. And the young actress did an amazing job too. Um, but it was it was a great miniseries, and so I highly recommend it. She, I think, she won the award or was at least nominated for you know Golden Globe or Emmy or something. Yeah, I think she, I think Judy Davis actually won all the awards that year. Anything she was nominated for, I think she won it. Um, so you know this already, 
And I mean, some of our listeners, at least if you follow us on social media, know this, that I finally sat down and have completed the first season of The Boys. Yay! Yay! It only took me over a year. (laughs) (laughs) And did you love it? I did. I really fucking loved it. And I have to apologize. You know, it's not that. So, I mean, I put it off and put it off because I just, I don't want to see any more superheroes, you know? And I was just like, I know it's supposed to be a little different or whatever, but I loved it. This show is perfect for anybody who's suffering from superhero fatigue. Like, it's exactly what you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, it was good. It was clever. I I liked the heroes themselves. I really liked the, like, the moral ambiguity going on in this show. Yep. And um, the characters are just great. They just really are. And Elizabeth Shue, forever. I yeah. I mean, R.I.P. Yes. <laughs> well, don't spoil it. Uh, well, she's not dead in real life now? No. <laughs> My mistake. So- <laughs> My God. It was just, it was really, really, really good. And uh, we haven't started the second season yet um, because my husband and I watched it together. And... Um, we're going to be starting it soon, though, because we, we both enjoyed it a yeah. lot. Uh, I think the the fan base is fairly split, you know, um, on season two. But I'm in the camp that it was even better than season one because it continues that, you know, nihilistic, dark kind of stuff. And it really gets, like, really close to the ch- – like, it really gets close to what's happening or what has been happening, especially over the last couple of years in America, you know, with um, – you know, fucking neo-Nazis and everything else on the streets and, and everything else. And it gets really, really like on the nose with a lot of that stuff. And that's probably why some people didn't like it because probably some of those people are Trump supporters. So uh, if you are not a Trump supporter and you liked the boys season one, you will definitely enjoy boys season two, probably even better. So what I want the most in season two is to see more superheroes, right? Because apparently there's superheroes all over the world, right? Or at least all over America. And I want I want to see some of these people who are not in the seven, right? I want I want mm. some other people. So there's a new character that is it gets a little bit more political. It's essentially AOC, you know. Yeah. And you'll see what happens with her character, but it's just it's gold. So you know, there's 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 even more definitely, and there may be a, a superhero that has uh, penis powers, and you'll see what I mean by that too. <laughs> well, that is enough to like. <laughs> Get me on board for sure. If it wasn't already. See a giant penis strangle someone. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So exploding penises in mortuary collection and strangling penises in the boys season two. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm totally good with that. Actually. It's not a spoiler because I haven't told you whether it's cut or not. I I really enjoyed the amounts of male nudity in this show. Right. So like within the first episode or two, there's like some full on male frontal nudity and that camera does not cut away. It just like sits there and he walks like directly toward the camera. And I was just like, wow, you know, I really appreciate shows or movies that, you know, um, objectify men. (laughs) I think it's okay. So later that character gets a plastic explosive enema. So, yeah, it was kind of nasty. And gore. I mean, like, this is a really gory show, too. And I appreciate the, the first fuck out of minutes, that. Really? Yes. And so I was just like, it was good. So I apologize for taking so long. I should never doubt. And um, 
maybe on the next uh, Hot Takes episode, I will finish season two by then. Perfect. So. But you watched all of season two so far, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah. And I'll, I might want to watch it again all the way through because it was that good to me. Wow. 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 Okay. So should we talk about our favorite film for this Hot Takes? Yes, I think it's time. We have saved the best for last. And um, this is something that we both watched recently. So last, last night. night, as of this <laughs> recording, because it was very recently put onto Netflix. And it's a movie called His House. Yes. And that is a film about essentially refu- refugees from, I believe, South Sudan who mm-hmm. have... Um, you know, request asylum in England, right? And so they are uh, accepted and they're living in a house that is in the outskirts of London, which they find out they are not alone in by some sort of supernatural force. And so it's a film that's kind of in the same vein as uh, like Hereditary and Babadook and Relic recently. And I think we had a conversation maybe in the last Hot Takes or somewhere where we discussed that this is kind of a trend in horror, um, you know, that we're going to be able to kind of look back on years from now and say, you know, here's a string of films that we're talking about complex emotions through horror, through the lens of horror and doing it really, really successfully and well, right? And this is one of those, you know, like Relic was about, you know, dementia and losing your, your, yourself in, in late in life and, um, you know, Babadook was about loss, you know, hereditary was about, you know, <laughs> hereditary. And, um, you know, this is kind of about survivor's guilt and, um, you know, PTSD a little bit. And so this is kind of, um, you know, it's take on that kind of complex emotion and it's done so, so well, uh, aesthetically, technically, musically, for, uh, the performances are just, you know, chef's kiss, you know, and I, I can't really speak enough about this. And I, you know, it really affected both of us kind of profoundly, especially by the end. Yeah. I mean, it really did. I had seen a couple people say some things on social media about how it was good. And I was just like, okay, so if, if I'm going to watch something randomly, I picked it. Cause I mean, if, if enough people say it's good, it's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So, I mean, obviously I trust that site and, um, by the time I was about halfway through it, I was just like, good googly moogly. Like, this movie is so well made and just, <laughs> just so good. And I, I really enjoy horror that has some sort of message behind it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like, you know, good trashy fun horror too, obviously. But I mean, a movie like this is super, you know, affecting. And I, I just thought it was great. The performance of uh, Wemi Musaka, who plays um, the woman in their relationship, right? This guy's wife. I thought she was just so good in this movie. Like, this is why awards are given out, frankly, in my opinion. Yeah, I was thinking that this has got to win some awards. And it does. It strikes a balance with its storytelling that, like, like I was talking about Jackie earlier, right? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a movie that's more important than it is good, right? And we see a lot of those, but this is a movie that's as important as it is good. And I, I really, really appreciate it when it, that is um, something that's achieved. Yeah, I mean, because like you you said, it's, it's talking about survivor's guilt and PTSD. It's also talking about what it feels like to have to, like, leave your, your home and start afresh and um and carry that kind of baggage that goes along with that and you know being being looked at as outsiders or or different or other than the people who are around you even the people of the same skin color 
right? Treat yeah. them differently. And it's just like, it was so heartbreaking to watch. And I got terrified. Watch, there are some moments in this movie that literally scared yeah. the shit out of me. I took a break and had to go outside and smoke a cigarette because I was frightened. And I mean, if a, if a movie can frighten me like that and, you know, move me to tears by the end of it, and I was having a full-on Claire Danes ugly cry by the end of this movie, um, I think it's just something special. If you can do all those things in one, I mean, it's a special, special movie. Yeah, I didn't Claire Danes ugly cry, uh, but I did have the single tear a couple, especially I just I had to sit there and kind of listen to the music during the credits and just kind of think about the movie, and I will continue to think about it. You know, um, we talked about it kind of at length over text right after we'd both seen it. And um, I, I was thinking about it for hours afterwards and I couldn't watch anything else afterwards. I had to go to kind of, yeah. you know, think about it and go to bed. You know, I was planning on watching something else, but you know, I'm just glad that I ended up watching the mortuary collection beforehand, <laughs> you know, instead of like after, you know, cause oh, I was yeah. like, I would just been like, this is a pile of crap after this movie, you know? So it's just like, definitely like take some time to watch this film. Uh, we definitely highly recommend it. it is the standout recommendation of this hot takes, um, you know, and that is the film, his house. Yep. I gave it five stars. So a perfect rating from me. Yep. I gave it a 4.5, which is very rare for me. Yep. So yeah, it's, um, it's great. It's on Netflix. Everybody has Netflix. Like do yourself a favor, go watch it. It's seriously one of the best horror movies this year or of many years. And as usual, all of the links to watch these films and the list of these films is on our show notes. So check those out. That's right. If you had a hard time keeping up or, you know, you forgot to jot something down, it's okay. Chris so very kindly puts them in the show notes for you. Go visit them. But I think that just about wraps up our conversations on all of our hot takes and things that we watched. And we will start watching things for the next episode of Hot Takes. So Likely not until next year. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have one for quite some time. And in fact, this will be our last episode in November. So uh, we have a week off at the end of this month. There's five weeks in November. So we'll be back in December with Shooting the Flames and to talk about a Christmas horror movie that I like very much, Night of the Comet. Mm -hmm. And check us out over on Patreon because we are going to be talking about our werewolf movie that you guys have voted for. And uh, unfortunately, we kind of did a snafu where... uh, we couldn't watch the movie that was voted for the most because it's not streaming and I don't have enough time to buy the movie <laughs> before I move. <laughs> so we're going to have to go to the next one, which was the company of wolves. That's right. So we'll be watching that one. And that's by the same director that did interview with the vampire. So we're looking forward to it. And don't fret. We will come back and do a Patreon episode of brotherhood of the wolf. So if that piques your interest, go over to patreon.com slash the film flamers to find all of our bonus content and um, vote in some polls that, you know, maybe coming up. Also, you can find us on social media. If you have seen any of the movies that we have talked about on this Hot Takes episode, we want to know what you think about them. Find us at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call us on our hotline at 972-666-7733. We've gotten a couple of voicemails recently. We want even more. That's right. So please let us know, especially if you've seen some of these, and especially if you've seen... (laughs) His house, because we really want to know what you think. That is correct. Um, uh, Nikki has already commented on our post about watching it last night. So um, I know that people are already seeing this movie and we're very interested to know what you think about it. 
Um, and I think that just about wraps up the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we need a review. Uh, we didn't get one last month, so go ahead and leave that five-star review, and we'll read that on Shooting the Flames. Please do. It helps us out a lot. All right. Well, until December, when we start the spooky holiday season. <laughs> Sweet, Sweet dreams. dreams. His house. In the middle of our street, his house. <laughs> <laughs>